that and I love church. What really, really got me deep into apologetics to the level I am now was befriending someone who became a Hebrew Israelite and debating with them every day the scriptures. And I realized how flawed even my own views of Christianity and the scriptures were. Like, I know I was a Christian. I know I was a believer, but having him challenge me, I was like, oh my goodness. Like I, this whole time I thought this was true and that's actually not true or it's not as simple as I thought it was. You know, a lot of times we look at things as being a simple yes or a simple no. And the scriptures just aren't always like that. Yeah. Defund the church, rebuild the kingdom, ain't no doubt Time to wake up because the church walls Shouldn't be there to keep people out, yeah Let's come together, ready for change, now is the time We are one unit that is under God Let's put an end to the racial divide uh, I gotta scream it out louder Let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up Bringing unity in the community And keep the Holy Spirit all around us, yeah, yeah Defund the church, let's go Uh, we're getting ready to get into part two of our interview with Mrs. Titus Two, uh, the urban apologist. So check it out. If you haven't checked out part one, go back and check that out. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other major podcast platform. Enjoy. So I think that I think the key there, Frank, is that uh, one of us just needs to twerk in this video, <laughs> and then it'll get all kinds of plays. <laughs> right. You got to hashtag it, Pastor, and twerking. Thirty-eight thousand right out the gate. You know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I, I want to know a little bit about your personal testimonies. Tell me a little bit about, like, did you grow up in a Christian home? Uh, like, what was your kind of personal journey toward faith? And one of the things I've learned in, in my own journey is that um, I feel like we have these kind of deconstruction and reconstruction moments. I'm sure uh, maybe apologetics has always been important to you. Maybe there was something that took place in your faith journey that kind of brought it to more importance. And I'm sure you're kind of growing and learning every year. You know, we're all, I think we're all seasonally kind of growing and God's mm -hmm. giving us, you know, revelations, if you will, of like different things that are uh, ultimately going to point us closer to Jesus. Just curious what some of those mile markers in your faith journey have been. Sure. So I did grow up in a Christian home. Um, my parents came out of a very, very strict apostolic Pentecostal type church and they actually were taught like oneness like they, they weren't mm -hmm. Trinitarian so they, they came out of some some genuine people who I think love the Lord but the doctrines just weren't good um, but my parents that they, they came they were from the country like deep deep country in the south and uh, we moved to the suburbs and so I grew up in a church that was more non-denominational and we stayed there for a long time really really solid pastor good guy and um, he would challenge the entire church to read through the bible in a year and he said if you read through the bible in a year we're going to take you out to do a, a really really fancy dinner so the first time I did that I was 12 years old so from 12 to 13 I think, yeah, I turned 13 by the end of it. I read through the entire Bible, fell in love with the scriptures. And I was just like, man, you know, there's some really, really good stories in here. Things you don't really talk about in Sunday school. I was very confused about a lot of those stories. But nonetheless, I think I did that three years in a row. And um, I got I got a really, really good foundation from that. And I'm glad I did because I got to see what the Bible had to say about slavery before um, roots or or the media 
told me what the Bible said about slavery. So when I was old enough to hear those things, I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't even say that, or it's like not even in that context. So I was glad for that. Um, but I went to college. I graduated in, well, I'm not going to date myself. I graduated from college. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my mom would watch a lot of Ray Comfort videos. So I, I got, um, I loved watching the way of the master. We even went to Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort's way of the master conference that they did. They came to our city one time. That was pretty cool. But I think what really, really got me deep into apologetics to the level I am now was befriending someone who became a Hebrew Israelite and debating with them every day, the scriptures. And I realized how flawed even my own views of Christianity and the scriptures were. Like, I know I was a Christian. I know I was a believer, but having him challenge me, I was like, oh my goodness. Like I, this whole time I thought this was true and that's actually not true or it's not as simple as I thought it was. You know, a lot of times we look at things as being a simple yes or a simple no. And the scriptures just aren't always like that. And in the last year, um, just being introduced to a lot of other urban apologists who are way more informed on um, a lot of these studies than I am, but listening to them and learning about hermeneutics and like how to study the scriptures in context. We always hear context. I thought reading in context just meant, oh, you read the verse before and you read the verse after and you're good. And it's like, it's not always that easy, but I'm just thankful to God. Like he makes the scripture simple enough where you can get the main the main messages or the the main um, principles, you know, and the parables and things like that. But it's so much deeper than that. It's like, okay, so you you can get the the main things that God, okay, God is like, all right, for the simple people, I'll lay it out. So you, you still can't miss this, but for those who are a little bit deeper and spend more time studying, like there's even more. I'm like, I'm just privileged and humble to even be where I am and be learning the information that I am. But there was a lot of deconstruction probably over the last three years, starting with the Hebrew Israelite and just talking to people who have, you know, been to seminary. I never was under a pastor to my knowledge that went to seminary. Not that you can't be a good pastor without going to seminary, but I learned a lot of error. Like there was a lot of word of faith type things that I grew up hearing. I never even heard a sermon on the Trinity that I can remember until like five years ago, five years ago, I had a oneness understanding because I had listened to what my parents told me, you know, water, air, and ice, you know, all those things. That's, that's how you define the Trinity. So when I went to a, a Baptist church and heard a sermon on modalism, I was like, okay, so I've been a Christian my entire life. And I was a modalist and I had no idea that modalism, first of all, even existed, didn't even know what that was. <laughs> and then second of all, like I, I thought I was a Trinitarian. I wasn't a Trinitarian. I, I didn't know I was wrong. So yeah, it's like every day I'm learning something new and I'm having to humble myself, but I've learned so much in that humbling. I know I just went on a rant, but anyway, I hope that answers the question. Oh, that's, that's really good. Can you give us an example of something that you thought was black and white? You know, one of the things, I mean, you'd mentioned Kurt Cameron. One of my struggles with Kurt Cameron is he does a lot of times just make a lot of things very black and white. And I'm like, mm -hmm. some of that's a little more complicated than you're making it, but it, it doesn't get the clicks. So whatever. I, I mean, and I'm not saying that's his only motive, by <laughs> yeah. the way, I'm just saying there are times where I'm like, okay, uh, there's room for a conversation there or, or mm -hmm. more depth can be, can be kind of mine there. 
is there something that you've kind of come into apologetics being like, oh, that's black and white. And then like around the time you were like, oh, there's a lot going on here. And mm -hmm. the reason I ask that is because I think a lot of what Frank and I are trying to do is really trying to say some of what we've been handed as black and white, whether that's around issues of racism, issues mm -hmm. of money in the church, issues of um, privilege in the church, power in the church, um, just inequities that are in the church so often are just kind of, oh, well, that's either or. Well, if you're mm -hmm. that, then you're just, a, you're just a socialist church who only cares about, so like to care about social justice must mean that you are the most progressive in everything. It's mm -hmm. like, no, it can also mean that we care about justice because Jesus cared about justice. Right. Like it doesn't have to mean that we have some agenda that's political or something else. It might just mean that we want to like, you know, care for the sick and feed the hungry. <laughs> like that's a, that's a justice issue. And so, so um, my question to you is, uh, what are some things or, you know, whether it's one or two or whatever that you kind of came in to apologetics, maybe having a very black and white and then feeling like, oh, wow, there's a little more gray here or a little more color because uh, in, in apologetics, I think one of the values of apologetics is it does give some really clear lines, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the goal in a lot of ways is to define stuff. Um, but then there's certain things where it's like, wow, this is really hard to define. The deeper mm -hmm. I dive into it, the more it's kind of like there is some legitimate questions and process here that's valuable and helpful for people yeah so to speak a little bit to that yeah it can be very 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 I'm not going to say frustrating but like again humbling to realize that man what I thought was true or simple wasn't that simple um but I'm sure you guys listened to a little bit of Michael Heiser because everybody's listening to Michael Heiser now right so when I first heard his his discussion on the sons of God and Genesis 6, I was completely blown away. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to believe this because I have solid friends who are like, eh, I, I, I respect Michael Heiser, but I'm not I'm not going with all this sons of God thing, whether it's sons of God, demons, angels. I don't I don't really know, but I do think the story is interesting. Um, what I mean is. So he talks about how everybody says that, um, you know, we're fallen, humans are fallen. And the reason is because we've sinned. And Heiser's like, well, it's because of sin. And it's also because of the watchers. And I'm like, watchers, what are you talking about? So just hearing him break down Psalm 82 and um, Deuteronomy and the, the table of nations and, and how important all those things were and how Paul was talking about these things, like, it's just, there's so much that I would have missed or that I did miss because I had never heard this. Um, but it taught me, it taught me this. It's okay to have different positions on certain things biblically. Like, again, I have friends who say that there are no, um, there are no, no angels having physical relationships with women because that's impossible because X, Y, Z, I respect their position. And then I have other friends who are like, no, the angels were definitely mating with women. So this, and I'm like, okay. And guess what? Both of those people can believe those things and, and not end up um, outside of Christianity. Like it's just, it's just a difference of opinion. We don't see those scriptures the same way. But I mean, when you start talking about things of doctrine, like whether or not Jesus was, was the Christ, whether or not he was God, whether or not he, um, 
uh, resurrected, things like that. It's like, okay, you're now outside of Christianity and you start rejecting things like that. But we Christians can disagree on things. We can disagree on eschatology. Like it doesn't have to be pre-tribulation rapture or you're going to hell. Like it's not that deep. Let other people have an opinion. We don't all have to agree on, agree on everything. But even like you said, with social justice, like I've been seeing so many Christian YouTubers, hopefully they mean well, but it's like, they want to attribute anything that's progressive to being woke and social justice. Like those two terms are not interchangeable. And I think it's really just kind of not cool to say, well, well, you're being woke because you believe what a progressive Christian believes. If I don't believe what a progressive Christian believes, you're not even trying to have this discussion with me. And I'm not saying I agree with everything that, somebody who claims to be woke believes but it's it's just sad that whenever you say well I, I agree with social justice I think God is concerned with more issues than abortion well then you're automatically a socialist I, I, I don't I don't I just don't understand how we can be so closed-minded and really it's to me it lacks integrity because you're trying to tell people that they believe things that they don't even necessarily believe but then you're getting YouTube views off of it just just so you can say some i don't know i i just i don't like that type of stuff it's like have some integrity <laughs> now when you say genesis 6 you're talking about the nephilim right yes <laughs> yeah that's a very very interesting theology and it goes <laughs> it goes way deeper when you get to like jude and jude references yeah. the book of enoch like most people don't recognize the book of enoch is not considered hebrew canon it's not one of the 39 books mm -hmm. but yet jude had like literally quotes it verbatim for like two verses of his book and you're like oh that's interesting the book <laughs> dude is quoting this like book that's outside of scriptures but would have mm -hmm. been very well known by the hebrews and is referencing the nephilim and this like this idea of like creation being out of order which mm -hmm. is i think the other big thing is like i'm like well i don't really care what you believe about angels and and, and that creation was out of order mm -hmm. and god is very concerned about creation and being in order. Does that make sense? And, and part of that order is being in relate in right relationship with him. And that's kind of how you could turn it back to the, like, to the main point, right? Like, cause sometimes uh, those things, you know, getting, getting back to the main point can be, how do you take something from Genesis six about Nephilim, which is like so <laughs> weird and nuanced and bring it back to the gospel. And I think that's one of the ways that you can be like, well, order matters. And part of mm -hmm. Christ coming is restoring order, restoring right relationship with God. And like, that's, no, that's really cool that, that that's something that, uh, that you've even worked through and, <laughs> and thought about, because a lot of people don't even know that that exists or don't even know that that conversation mm -hmm. is happening uh, in, you know, in places. So yeah. awesome. I, I want to say that I really like that you understand what is a salvific argument versus what is just being right. And I think that there's so many people, like you mentioned about the woke thing. See, the reason why people are, are, are going the other way, right? Like there, there's so there's so much nuance to what our ministries are, right? And I think that to label and say, well, oh, you're with this, you're with that, you're missing what the heart of what God's trying to do. And I think you've really gotten to that point where it's like, we're all here, right? We're all alive and breathing because because we're in the, we say we're in the kingdom. I do believe we're in the kingdom and God has a purpose and a reason for us being alive. Otherwise we wouldn't be in time, right? Mm -hmm. Time is existing outside, is, is, is God's way to get life um, outside of eternity, right? God exists eternally. We're, we're temporal beings. We have a fixed finite time here. So mm -hmm. if we're here all with a purpose, 
it's not the same purpose because there'll only be one of us here. <laughs> so we don't all have to have the same, believe the same thing about everything. Now we have to have, like I said, the same foundation, but there are certain things that if if you if you kill if you bury the lead, you'll we talked about this. We had an episode and I'm pl- we're plugging our show. So um same sex, same kingdom where you can demonize those people and say, well, they're not in the kingdom. You can make a YouTube video about, you know, homosexuals not being in the kingdom. And you've just rejected an audience that God wanted you to reach out to because you wanted to make a, an easy argument to get YouTube mm-hmm. views. And we have to be careful with that. You don't know who God wants you in fellowship with. And, and, and sometimes the hardest things that you don't, that you, that you think are one way, God will put somebody in your face to contradict and say, the foolish things confound the wise. Be not wise in your own eyes, but yet we try to do that. Yet we, and, and this is something Pastor Justin says, he always sets me straight. He always says, no one has perfect practice, perfect theology, except for Jesus. So whatever we think we know, even all, all of us, we've, even we spent the, the rest of this night on here combined, we wouldn't scratch an inch of what is all that God has. So why do we do that? Why do we, why do we spend so much time? That's why I wanted to have you on because I was like, I want to uplift you because you know, I know that there's days where you feel like, man, is this really working? And I want to say that, yes, we have to start celebrating each other in the kingdom and saying, this person's heart is here. They're doing things. Yes, you may not agree with everything they're doing, but if you destroy them, you're destroying a witness that, that was supposed to be reaching somebody and you're not going to reach there. You're just destroying them for your own pride. And that's not going to go good on your resume. So I just want to, you know, again, applaud you and just say that glory to God for you to have that discernment where you're not burning bridges just because you don't agree on, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can eat eggs, right? It's not salvific. And I think we need to kind of look at some of these arguments like that. And I think, I think you've gotten that. So that's really good. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a process. Like even for me coming from word of faith and um, apost- well, not apostolic, but just that kind of that kind of background where it's like, you're always expected to see miracles and all you got to do is say in Jesus name and it's got to happen. And now I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I did this in your name. And a lot of these things didn't happen. So either something is wrong with my prayers or, or maybe I'm just misunderstanding what you wrote, or maybe what people told me you wrote, you really didn't write, or you didn't, you didn't mean it that way. So, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult even sometimes having conversations with my family about these things. Like you, you can't speak things into existence. God didn't say that you could. He said he does that. And so sometimes even showing people what's clearly in the scriptures, they're like, well, well, I still believe I can speak things into existence because I spoke this car into existence. I got the car. It's like, oh, OK. All right. It's tough, but you do have to be able to recognize that nobody's theology is correct. I mean, I've been reading the Bible since I was, again, 12 years old, and it took me several years to realize, like, girl, you haven't even scratched the surface yet. That's humbling. Do you do you think um, or do you experience a lot in in your context um, challenges with uh, with kind of that name it and claim it type um prosperity gospel uh viewpoint and theology because that does seem to thrive in urban communities which Mm. i think is a little bit not a little bit very much uh a manipulation of people who are in poverty as you know um not that all people in urban settings are in poverty it's just to say like 
in, in those low income communities, very interestingly, you have prosperity churches where pastors are flying around in jets and you're like, mm -hmm. how does this work <laughs> as they're serving people in a low income community? But it's almost like, I hate to say it this way, but for me, as I've looked into that, I actually did one of my seminary papers was on uh, the prosperity gospel versus poverty gospel and kind of these two different approaches to the gospel. One saying to follow Jesus means to commit your life to, to a poverty vow, which mm. people do. Does that make sense? And, and yeah. then the other side is this side that like, if you're following Jesus and you have faith, you'll be blessed and blessings will look like possessions. And, and it's very interesting breaking those two communities down and doing some of the research to actually see what's happening in those churches. What I found fascinating was just how, how manipulative it seems to be like, like almost, almost like the lottery, almost like play the lottery. You never know. Some, someone's going to get a car. Like so, <laughs> so if we just say it long enough, someone's going to have a job and, and believe that God gave them that because they named it and claimed it. And when they name it and they don't claim it and, or when they name it and it doesn't happen, we're just going to say they don't have enough faith. And yeah. now you're just that to me, that's just a really rough doctrine. And I don't know, in a lot of ways, an antichrist doctrine, not to go so hard on that community that I think, you know, they're not necessarily following Jesus. I'm not that judge, but I guess I get very difficult. I get very frustrated with some of what pastors do financially, but then also some of what they're calling their congregations to do. S speak a little bit about your experience with that. Cause I'm sure in those settings, you probably have a little bit of experience with that. Right. Yeah. It's damaging. Um, I've seen a lot of weird, weird things in church. Like I've gone to so many altar calls, had people lay hands on me and literally push me down on the ground. You know, it's just like, as a kid, you think, well, this is supposed to happen. They're supposed to push me down. And as I got older, I'm like, I don't want to fall down. Like, why, why are we required? Why are we doing this? Like, I don't see this in scripture. Why, why are we doing this? But I was just talking about this with some of my bodega lady friends. Um, but I actually had a friend who was so afraid coming up middle school high school I would invite her to church with me and she's like I don't want to go to church with you because your church is weird and scary and I'm like you just don't understand the power of God <laughs> and now I feel so bad I feel so bad because looking back on it, I'm like well well man I mean I used to be scared but I was taught not to be scared so who am I to tell her she shouldn't be afraid of things that look weird to the outside world especially when you find out that some of these practices just weren't biblical. Mm. Now, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. I am not a cessationist. So I still believe that the gifts of the spirit continue. I do think that they have been uh, very much, uh, I guess, fabricated or faked to an extent. I don't think that's cool, but I, I just, I don't see in scripture where they've, where they've ceased. But anyway, I just hate the way that they have used it in a way that has turned off so many people because my friend to this day, she still doesn't go to church. She's an atheist. And it's like, maybe if she had gone to a service and actually heard a, a, a exegetical sermon or expository sermon that made sense other than you need to have a good car, fancy house, blase, blase. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. So now I'm like, I'm like, Lord, if it's still possible, if there's anything in there that that she still is kind of curious about God, like help me to plant some seeds. But that's just one example of how bad doctrine literally can, can really turn people off from the faith when it, it doesn't, church isn't supposed to be that. Mm. One of the, uh, I'll just give you this uh, to, this is how I describe myself. I say, I'm not a cessationist, but I would say I'm a cautious continuationist. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think we have to have discernment 
and whatever whoever's claiming oh this is you know the gifts of the spirit it's like mm-hmm. okay how how does that look like jesus is my next question how, are, mm-hmm. how how does that gift like in action look like jesus and that's right. where my caution kind of lies with that because i'm with you too i'm not i don't see anything in the scripture that causes me to be a cessationist mm-hmm. but but i think i've also seen these spiritual spiritual gifts misused you know definitely and that's, that's really you know hard to experience frank you got any questions i'm sorry i'm no, I mean, I think that's good. This is what you normally do. So I want you to stay true to form. Um, but what, what's, what's, what's funny about the gifts of the spirits, there's, there's a lot of bar Jesus out there in which you really mm-hmm. see people who have sold the gospel. You know, they, they said, man, how can I profit from it? And, and, and that's the danger, right, of, of, of bankrupting the witness. And, and we are, and like I said, we have to be very careful in this season. And I believe like as more, more people, like I said, you got on YouTube, and, and more people are, are getting online and seeing these things, we have to be very careful. We are now teaching, we're in the office to teach, whether or not, if you get on YouTube, I, I don't, I know people will say, oh, it's just read, read for yourself. If you're getting on YouTube and you got a bunch of followers and you're saying stuff, you better be responsible with, for what you're saying. It's, it's a very important thing. And, and, and I understand, you know, Pastor Justin, you know, he, he speaks to congregation, obviously at the Belong Collective weekly. But anytime we put out a podcast or anything, it's like, I'm very careful that, man, I need to also be in my word. I don't want to just be saying stuff that somebody could be misled because that might be the only thing they hear. And a lot of times we don't take responsibility. We just say, well, I mean, you know, like you say, should have more faith or, hey, (laughs) you know, don't believe me. Um, And and so I guess in closing a little bit, how do you feel, what do you feel like when you obviously you're in apologetics now, but what do you see as your end goal? And not and not to get a five-year plan, because we don't want that. We want to, we want you to know God orders your steps. But what do you where do you feel like God is leading you in this journey of apologetics, you know, long term? What do you where do you see yourself? I'm still figuring that out, but long term, I would love to go to seminary and maybe if the pandemic ends and colleges open back up, you know, possibly teach at a school like I think I would um that would be very very fulfilling to me so hopefully God opens the door I, <laughs> I would go back to school now but I'm just like I, I can't I can't get any more student loans right now I just paid off my student loans I'm not trying to get back into debt but should the opportunity come that that would be my um my long-term goals for now, but I'm, I'm having a blast doing YouTube. So I'm probably going to do that until people just get tired of me or YouTube shuts me down. Cause YouTube lately, the bias against Christian channels is real. So hopefully they continue to let me speak my mind. I, I, I think, uh, I'll just encourage you in this. I think, uh, we're, we're in a season heading into a season of, uh, the church and Christians needing to discern better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like not that we haven't been there, but I think for so long uh, Christians haven't had to actually think about why they believe what they believe. And uh, I think um, there's going to be a real, I think lane for people who are going to come alongside and say, uh, here's why we believe what we believe about the basics. And here's, Here's why this is the core. And here's why there's some, as we get further out, there's some differences of opinion. And this is the diversity of the, of the kingdom, you know? Um, and, and I think someone who can really break that down well and communicate that well, um, I think in the future, that, that's going to be a necessary resource uh, as we kind of move into 
continue to move into this, you know, post-truth or whatever, you know, reality mm -hmm. that we're in, I think we need someone to say, let's have an intellectual faith too. Like this anti-intellectualism that's been in the church for so long, like, no, we need to study that cultural context. Mm -hmm. And that requires learning church history. That requires learning first century Judaism and the mm -hmm. context of what's happening in the culture and why, how Rome operated in super as a superpower, because so much of what Jesus is referencing is, is that it's like so much of that breaking that down for people, I think actually makes their faith so much firmer. And it's not that mm -hmm. they were ever doubting Jesus necessarily, but it's like, they sense, Oh, this is connected to history. This is connected here. And I think when they get challenged on their faith, there's just so much more underpinning uh, to it because they're seeing it for, uh, for the history that it is. And for the context that it is, like you said, context isn't just reading the verse before and after it's, mm -hmm. it's actually like diving into what the author was saying and what the readers were hearing and how they were applying it. There's, there's just so much. And, and I think, I think if you stay in this lane, I think you're going to find that there's going to be a lot of people who need it, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Because I know from my church experience, the main things we learned in church are, you know, you need to get saved, you need to tithe, and you need to live holy. It's like holy, 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 righteous, 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 which kind of led to like a legalistic type of faith. And I'm looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, I was terrible. I mean, I'm still definitely working on some things, but just being so... Um, prideful in my own faith being so self-righteous I'm like Lord I, how did you deal with me like it's it's just sad and I think people get bored with that kind of rhetoric like who wants to hear about the same old stuff in church for 30 40 50 years and then you find out some of the stuff that you were taught wasn't even right it's like yeah I'm, I'm going to the Hebrew Israelites they those guys seem to know what they're talking about and I can like kill people in the afterlife and have all kinds of wives. And, you know, like no wonder they're leaving the church because the church is just not giving them what, what they're supposed to. And don't get me wrong. I love the church. One, one pet peeve of mine is, you know, some of these popular pastors who get up on YouTube or, you know, in their churches or whatever, and they just bash the church, bash the church. The church is doing this wrong. The church needs to apologize. I'm like, come on, y'all. Like God, Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. Christ told husbands to love, love your wives. Like, like Jesus loved the church. Like, so we got to stop bashing the church, but the church definitely has some work to do. So I'm with you. I want to see the intellectual side of Christianity become more common, you know, less, less of the sensationalized kind of stuff. Mm. Awesome. Um, so obviously, Ms. Titus, our time is running short, but before we get out of here, I want to let um, our listeners know, how can they find you? Obviously, we have a YouTube channel, which I believe is Miss Titus too, but where else are you on social media and what other ways can uh, people get in contact with you and find your content? I'm also on Instagram, which is how we connected. So other than YouTube, Instagram is my main platform. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really ask. I was on Twitter years ago, jumped off for like 10 years, jumped back on, and now I have no idea how to use it. So I'm relearning Twitter, but Instagram and YouTube, Miss Titus too, you'll find me. People inbox me, ask me questions. Again, I'm not an expert, but if I feel like I can at least answer it, <laughs> yep, there I am. <laughs> so y'all can reach out to me there. Awesome. Man, well, Justin, Pastor Justin, do you have anything else? No, I think this was, uh, it was great to hear uh, 
yeah, give go go watch some videos. Go follow her on Instagram. This is great. Yeah. Exactly. And thank you. Like I said, this this you're listening to Defund the Church. I'm Frank here with Pastor Justin and the Belong Collective. And this is our first guest, our first interview guest. So we're honored to have you. Um, and again, we want to thank you for sharing your wisdom. And we want to just pray for pray for you also, and not just say that as a platitude, but really, you know, pray for you and your ministry and what you're doing because it's very important. It's important obviously just from a biblical standpoint, but also from a cultural standpoint to be a black woman and have that knowledge, have the information and not just be, you know, a church lady, but to be, you know, the, you know, the expert, so to speak, that people can go to. That's important. It's important to shatter images and stereotypes uh, within culture in the kingdom. So grateful to have you on. Um, maybe we'll have you on again when you blow up. If you get if you get big and, I, and, I, and, I, and we hit you up on Instagram, I'll say, well, you know, I don't I don't hit up the small pack. I, I don't uh, so just remember. Uh, <laughs> no, I Christ am Christ. humbled. I am humbled to have been invited. I had a blast with you guys. And you know, if y'all like my content, please check out the Bodega Ladies. Y'all think I'm good? I again, I'm I'm the bare bottom of a lay person. Okay, some of my sisters in that camp. They are some heavy hitters. Um, yeah, so we the Bodega Ladies have a YouTube channel. Check them out. We've got a, a Instagram page as well. So yeah, and we're gonna have some new content dropping as a group too. So, but thank you guys so much. Yeah, he found there. We are okay. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you, thank you so much again. I'm um, Frank for Pastor Justin. Again, thank you, Miss Titus. Thank thank all our listeners. However, you're watching this, if you listen to this on podcast, if you listen on YouTube, um, either way, enjoy it. Subscribe to Miss Titus' channel. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, all the major podcast platforms. We love you guys, and we'll see everyone soon on the episode of Defund the Church. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and iTunes, Stitcher. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom.